Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. God has such a way of speaking to you and when you're sharing it with somebody, it's like even though you're in the thick of it, he's so faithful and I think that's how he likes to work. It's more real that way. This is coming from a place of, I feel like I'm walking with you all hand in hand through this as I share this. This is coming from a very, um, just a very real time. But I'm so blown away at the goodness of God. And I feel like I've known him since I gave my life to Christ at 17 years old, and that was about 20 years ago. And in this past season, I feel like I have really started to know him, if that makes sense. I know everything kind of goes in layers in any type of relationship. The further you go, the more you know, generally. But what I love is that it's like I feel like I'm getting to know him in a real, real way, and the the stories that I've read and the things that I've heard about, I'm experiencing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm a Bible character. (laughs) You know, it's just like, oh, so that's what this means in some small way. That's what this means, and it's, it's so good. In this past season, in August, I was just going through going through, I was having a moment where I'm like, God, like, I don't, like, when is, when are these things going to happen, or why is all of this, this stuff is going on, and like, is this ever going to change? Is it ever going to get better? Is it ever, and in, and that was in August, and he, and I, and I, he revealed this truth to me that I'm about to share with you. And then three more months went by, and it completely changed again. Completely changed again, where it's been a a time. And like I said, it's one thing to read something in the Bible. And it's another thing when you start going through it yourself. And then you start to see the humanity, and you're like, oh, I get it. You know, I look at the Bible, and I'm like, geez, well, why didn't you just praise? Why didn't you just do that? Or you, you, like, you idiots! Why didn't you see God? Why didn't you just trust? Right? Like, honestly. Like, and now I'm like this, and I'm like, oh. (laughs) I get it. Like, I get it. It's so easy to, to know the ending. And it's like, then it is to just go through it, and I don't know the outcome. But it's like, I know God is good. So anyways, I'm sorry, my nose is a little bit, uh, a little runny. Pardon the sniffles if that happens. But God knows that about us. He knows that about us. 
He made us. He knows our humanity. And he's so patient. He's so kind. He knows what grinds our gears, what backs us into a corner, what makes us squirm. He knows what's going to squeeze the gross stuff out. Right? He knows. And I'm grateful. But it's like, do I, do I know that? Do I know that he knows? Do I know that he's okay with it? Do I know that he's there in all of it? The title of my message today is, Even If He Doesn't. And this title comes from the mouths of three very bold, albeit maybe insane, young men who stood before a pagan king and they were facing death. And they had a response that I'm not sure many people were expecting to hear. And I'm not sure if I would have given that response. Maybe. Who knows? And in this, we find this story in Daniel 3, verse 15, and onward. And this is just the ending of this particular section. And the king is saying he had, he had built this massive golden statue of himself. What was it, 90 feet? Some ridiculous, huge statue. And he was like, everybody can bow to me or you're going to die. And not just like die, but be thrown into a furnace. You know, not like a quick, quick it's over. Thrown into a furnace. <laughs> Burned alive. And he says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. What state do you have to be in to have that level of confidence? Let's refresh here. These three men, they were captives. Babylon was not their home. They were taken from their homeland, from Israel, and brought to a pagan nation to serve a pagan king. They were young. They were maybe in their 20s. They were young men. They didn't have position, wealth, status. They were captives, standing before the king who ran it all. And yet, they had the confidence to go, our God, the God that we serve, can save us. But even if he doesn't, they even put that little caveat in there. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. Like, it's not like these men were wealthy and they had influence and they had an entourage ready to jump in and save them from the flames and take the king and blah, blah, blah. Like, they had nothing, nothing but God and their understanding of him. 
They knew enough about him to go, even if he doesn't, that's not going to change the fact that we trust in him. We're not going to deny that he's God. And guess what? They still got thrown in the furnace. They were not spared the flames. We get to see the other side. We get to read the story and go, wow. Because we knew, we were like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait till Jesus comes through. Because he does. They get thrown in the furnace. They don't burn up. And there's a fourth man in the fire, and it's Jesus. And then the king is like, what is going on? And it's like, he completely is like, wow, this God is the one true God. They didn't even smell like smoke. They weren't even singed, nothing. They were untouched. But they did not know that that was going to happen. They didn't know. But it was enough for them to know that God could. That was enough. And we see this again with Job. The story of Job. There's this man, this righteous man, lived a blameless, righteous life. He was blessed. He had everything. God blessed him. He took care of him. Job did everything he could to keep his relationship with God on the up and up. Like he was a righteous man. Loved God. And one day Satan just decides to be like, hey God, I bet if you took it all away, he wouldn't love you anymore. God's like, oh, you think so, huh? Okay, well, give it a shot. This happened. Satan held court with God. And he's like, yeah, take it all away, and he'll curse you and die. I bet you any money, I bet you anything in the world that that's what's going to happen. Because you've blessed him, why wouldn't he love you? You've given him everything he needs. God's like, all right, go for it. And so Job loses everything. And by everything, I mean everything. He lost his, his cattle, his flocks. He lost his children. He lost his whole family. He lost his health. He lost his reputation. He lost it all. And at the end of this, at the very final, these messengers just kept showing up being like, oh my goodness, and it's like, all of his cattle get wiped out. And a messenger and a servant comes and he's like, oh, I was the only one who escaped. I just got to let you know you lost this. And as this messenger is like catching his breath, another one comes and says, all oh, your children have died. They were having a party in their house and then the house caved in and they're all dead. And then another one comes, one after the other. It wasn't even like a month later, a week later, a year later. It was like five seconds later. This guy hadn't even finished his sentence and another messenger was coming to deliver more bad news and tragic bad news. It's one thing to lose your cattle. You're like, okay, famine, you know, like, oh, you lost your crops. Okay, your, your children, all your children gone. Everything gone. And this is his response. When the final blow hits, it says he tore his clothes and he shaved his head and he put on sackcloth and ashes and he fell on his face and he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. <sighs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And then in another part he says, Shall we accept good from God and not bad also? 
His wife's like, just curse God and die already, would you? (laughs) And he says to her, you sound foolish. He's got boils all over his skin. She's like, just curse God and be done with it. Like enough already. And he's like, you sound foolish. This man covered in boils with a shaved head in sackcloth and ashes is saying, you sound foolish. Shall we only receive good things from the hand of God and not bad? Now, all of this isn't to say like, suck it up, rub some dirt in it. When we go through hard times, this isn't a message of suck it up. You're going through hard stuff, guess what, church, suck it up. Guess what? That's not it. Not it at all. And it's not to say that you can't feel what's going on, that you're not allowed to just go through it, that you have to deny pain, deny grief, deny sadness. There is chapter after chapter. If you read the story of Job, there is so much dialogue where Job is in his feelings. And he goes before God and he's just like, tell me what I have done. What did I do to deserve this? And he's not like, like he's upset, but he's just like, let, please explain what's going on. I don't like, what did I do? Let me know so I can fix it. Let me know how I've sinned against you so I can make it right. What did I do? And the best part is that God didn't explain himself to Job. He didn't explain himself to Job, but guess what he did do? He told Job who he was. There's this whole chapter where he's like, okay, man, okay, human, you want to hold court with me? You want to come and bring your, bring your complaints? All right, why don't you take a seat, and I'm going to tell you who I am. He doesn't go, this is why this happened. You know, you're righteous, and I was just trying to, you know, let this happen to see if you really loved me. No. He goes, hey, did you make the universe? Did you call out these creatures from the depths? Do you control the stars and their patterns and the seasons? Do you make the wind and waves what they are? Did you create all of this? Please tell me. Oh, wise one, tell me. Did you do all of these things? And for some reason, that was enough for Job. He explained to Job who he was, and that was enough. Job was like, whoa. You're right. And it's kind of like Moses. I don't know if you know the story of Moses. Moses is, God calls him out of when he goes into the wilderness, and God tells him 40 years later after he runs away, hey, you're going back. And Moses is like, well, who am I supposed to say sent me? And God's like, tell them I am that I am has sent you. What a name. I am that I am. And that was enough. Okay. I'll tell them that. That was enough. That knowing of God, that relationship with God was enough. Knowing him was enough. We need that I am moment with God. I know I do. I recently had a moment like this where I just wanted an explanation. It's like, God, what the heck? What's going on? 
Why is this happening? Why, why, like, all of these things, like, you're such a good God, so why is this happening? And it's like I felt him come in the room, and it's like he put his arm around me. And he's like, this is a part of life. But guess what? With me, you don't have to worry about any of that. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that was enough. It's just like, even though there's this sadness and this pain and this grief, it, it was like, oh, okay, that's enough. You're enough. Like, you're here with me. You just came into the room with me. And that's okay, that's enough. God is after the individual in all of this. Because once it's you and him, once it's me and him, and it's not me and this situation or this person or this thing and him, once it's you and him, nothing else matters. Cue Metallica. From a Metallica people out there. Nothing else matters. Once it's us and him. That's what he wants. Nothing can shake you, even though things are being shaken. Nothing can shake you. We see this again with Jesus in the boat with his disciples. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, there was also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up. It's a storm. In case anyone doesn't know what squall means. You can probably just assume it means something not good. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus said that they would get to the other side. I think we maybe missed that part. Because Jesus is like, "Did, did you miss it? I said, let's go to the other side. So that means we're going to get there. I didn't tell you what was going to happen in between. But I told you we're going to the other side. So he was trying to show them in a physical representation of what life was going to be like with him. It's like, hey, God says things and God can do anything. And it's at the start of something and God's like, I'm sure you, all of us have gone through this. God says something to you. He's like, this is going to happen. Do this. And you're like, awesome. And then three months down the line, it's like, what is happening? What's happening? And it's holding on to that. Like, I read this story and I was like, oh my gosh. You said that they'd get to the other side. And that's what they needed to focus on, not the storm. It's like, oh, this storm's happening. Well, I'm not at the other side yet. So that means... That I, Jesus is with me. Jesus was in the boat, in the storm, with them. And he was sleeping because guess what? 
all of the disciples could have brought their blankets and cushions and slept right next to him, and they would have made it to the other side. And that's the whole point of what he was trying to show them. Like, hey, pull up a cushion. Lie down here with me. He was welcoming them in to peace, saying, keep your eyes on me. Know who I am and know that I don't just make stuff up and I don't just say like, hey, let's go to the other side and then plan for all of us to drown in a boat. Do we think that? Sometimes we think that, but we don't necessarily think that God is like that. We just go, oh, this is like what I deserve. I deserve to be drowned in a storm. I deserve to be stuck in this. I must have done something wrong. I must be deserving this right now. There's got to be, okay, well, here we go. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's just, life happens. Storms happen. They do. But the whole point is that Jesus is like, I come into peace and know that I'm in the same boat with you. Jesus wasn't like on the other side. He didn't transport himself to the other side and he was like, come on guys, while they're like bailing out their boats. He didn't do that. He got in the boat with them because he owns the wind and the waves. But he wants us to to focus on him. And when we get into the storms of life, it can be easy to compare with other people. Like Job's going through this rough time. None of his friends are. And he could have sat there and been like, how come Elihu isn't going through this? He doesn't sacrifice daily for his kids. He doesn't live a righteous life. I saw him cheat on his taxes last year. How come this person is untouched? How come? Why is this happening to me? Why? And Job did. He had those moments, but his wasn't like, again, his was like, okay, I got it. Like, tell me what to do so I can fix it. And it probably drove him nuts because he had given sacrifices and it was all like all of the things you should do to stay righteous and to keep his life right. And he just wanted to fix it. And God's like, this has nothing to do with you. In a way, it has nothing to do with what, you can't fix this. This isn't about you fixing it and doing something to earn back what you think you lost. We can't compare our situation. But we do sometimes because we're human. Peter did. There's this chapter after Jesus is crucified and he rises from the dead, and he comes to see the disciples again. They're fishing. They've kind of given up, and Peter's denied Jesus. And so they're all bummed out. And Jesus shows up, and he asks Peter three times if he loves him, and Peter gets all bent out of shape. He's like, why are you asking me three times? And he's like, you know I love you. And Jesus is like, okay, then go do what it is I've called you to do. He was redeeming his three denials. By asking him three times. He was redeeming the three denials, just sidebar. And then he says this strange thing to Peter. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And it says, Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death that he would glorify God. Because Peter ended up being crucified. Later on, he also ended up being crucified. 
And then he said, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. He was like listening in on the conversation. And Peter said, Lord, what about him? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus goes, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Follow me. And that's it. They just kind of leave it there. They don't tell you what Peter's reaction was, but he's like, what about, you just told me how I'm going to die. What about him? Is he going to get crucified? This sucks. (laughs) And Jesus is like, what if I want him to stay alive forever? What is that to you? Follow me. Because it's not about the what. It's about who. It's not about the what. Bad things are going to happen, guys. That's what God said to me. He's like, unfortunately, life is full of pain and death and heartache and disease. It's kind of a fact of being in this shell, this human body. But he's like, guess what? Someday you're going to be with me and there will be no pain, no sickness, no sadness, no death, no disease. And I was like, oh, I mean, it can kind of seem a little bit dark, like this like strange encouragement. I'm like, oh, okay, but for some reason, that's all I needed. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. This, it's going to die someday. It is. I, I, it's just going to happen. But then we get to be with him, and there is none of that. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, God. Even though it's hard, sometimes it doesn't make it easier. Sometimes it doesn't make the bad news easier. Or it's just you're kind of like, okay, and you find yourself in this laugh-cry situation where you're like, oh, God, God. Like, it's, it's weird. I've experienced every emotion, I feel like, on the spectrum in this past few months. But it's so good to know that he's with me. And I hold on to that going, okay, okay, I can do it. While on this earth, I can hold on. I can hold on, and I can trust that you're good. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. (laughs) Pep talk. Because later on in Peter's life, he gets delivered from prison. Like, I got to read this story because it's just, it's kind of funny. I mean, maybe it's dark humor, but it's kind of funny. In Acts, it says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard, and then suddenly there was a bright light, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter, and he said, Quick, get up! And all the chains fell off. And the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. And he said, now put on your coat and follow me. And they walked out of prison and he was, he was out. He was free. Amazing, amazing story. But James died. We read this in the same chapter. I don't know if you caught that. Herod arrested James and had him killed with a sword. But Peter gets set free from prison. Peter escapes the sword. Again, you could compare, go, what about James? That's horrible. Horrible. Why didn't you set James free? Why didn't you walk him out of prison? You did it with Peter. Why didn't you do it with James? Oh, I don't have an answer for that. 
I don't know. I really don't know. But for James, his relationship with God could withstand that. He had his relationship with God. And where God was with him in that, it doesn't really say. It doesn't tell us about what Jesus was saying to him, about what, it doesn't tell us what God said to him. It doesn't. But it was okay. And this is the thing about comparing. You can't do it. You can't do it. Because it's not you and him and her and Jesus. It's not you and your family. It's not you and your history. It's not you and your teacher. It's not you and your relatives. It's not you and the taxi driver. It's you and him. It's you and him. And again, that's what God is after. You and him. That's all we have. When I stand before him, I'm not going to be like, well, you know... Because I got sick and this person didn't, I'm not, you know, and he's like, what? What does that matter? Like, that's not, that's not the thing. It's me and him. Me and him. Do I trust him? Do I know that he's good? And we see this ultimately with, with Jesus. We read these stories, but then it's like the one that we give our lives to, the one that we profess, like our faith, the foundation of our faith was brutally murdered. He knew suffering. It says in Isaiah 53.3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And in Romans 8, 31, verse 32, it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? This is a preface to something that happened before. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Jesus was so acquainted with grief that he even asked his father in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying for he was about to be arrested and crucified. He was so in grief that he sweat blood. There's a man who is well well acquainted with grief. I have never sweat blood. Never. I've never been so deeply in grief that that happened. And this is our Savior. This is Jesus. And he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We can take comfort, again, reading this about Jesus. It's not a, hey, Jesus went through it, so what's your problem? Jesus was brutally crucified and murdered. Like, you're just having a bad day. You didn't get the job you wanted, so what? That's not it. This is actually like Jesus, it's like take comfort. We can take comfort that the one who died for our sins knew grief and knew sorrow and knew pain. And that he's with us in ours. He doesn't abandon us. He's with us in ours. And I don't believe God wants us to deny our pain and our struggles. I don't think he put these examples in the Bible so that we would just like, okay, it's good, it's good, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, it's all right. Okay, I can do this, I can get through this, I can power through, it's all right. Or that we would be completely taken out. He's like, hey, I know it hurts like putting that arm around my shoulder. I felt it. I was like, whoa. It's like, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. 
Do you trust me that I'm here with you? Do you trust me that I'm God? Do you trust me that I'm good? That's the clincher right there. Do we trust that he's good? It's easy to trust that he's God. You're like, okay, yeah, you're God. Okay, you see it all. Okay, yeah. All right, okay, he's God. He's God. He's God. But sometimes that can lead to like resentment, bitterness, anger, frustration. Do I trust that he's good? He's a good God. Why would a God provide such a beautiful ending to life if he wasn't good? And why would he walk through it with us? Why would he give us Jesus if he wasn't good? Why would Jesus die for me? Why would he take on that punishment? I've never suffered like that for anybody. Why would he do that if he wasn't good? He doesn't want to rush you through your pain, church. We've all been through some stuff. It doesn't matter how big or how small. Don't compare that either. Pain is pain. Grief is grief. Hardship is hardship. And he's not trying to rush you through it. He's not trying to get you to suck it up. But what he is trying to do is trying to get you to see him in the boat. See him through it all. Hold on to him. Don't hold on to a person. Don't, hold the, don't even hold on to the promise. Hold on to him. Because that's another thing that I was going through. So I'm like, God, you said this stuff. You said it. They're your words, not mine. And he's like, are you holding on to that? Or are you holding on to me? And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> it's humbling. It's humbling. God's like, do you trust me? And I'm like, hmm. Yes, and there's times where I'm like, God, no. No, I don't. Help me. It's like that man said, I want to believe. Help me in my unbelief. I want to trust you. Help me in my lack of trust. Help me in my humanity. Help me in this, God. Walk through this with me. And I think that's the part of him walking through grief is because it builds our trust. Wow, God, you were there when it got ugly. When I got ugly, when I was in denial of your power and your goodness, you're there. He's with you. Church, he's with you. He's with me. And we're in it. It's kind of nice to know that we're all in the same boat. But that Jesus is ultimately there. And the next time you read that story or you think of that picture... Picture yourself taking a cushion and just laying down next to Jesus, going, okay, I'm having a nap with you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going, even if you have to take a melatonin to help you. <laughs> I, full disclosure, I had to take one last night. I know that they're not like whatever, it's not bad, but what I'm saying is that I was like, oh man, I need some help because my mind feels buffeted and battered like a boat in a storm. And I'm like, God, I trust you. I need some help falling asleep. Like I, I, I just, 
I'm in this, I'm in this physical body. I wrote this down. We are living in a material world. And God knows that. He's trying to see, tell us that like, hey, yeah, you're in a material world. You're in a world full of things that will decay and rot. It's okay. Like, you, like remember that. Like, we're, I'm not immortal. We're not immortal, folks. And life is not easy. Also, full disclosure, life is not easy. It's not easy. We were never promised it. God never promised it. Jesus never promised it to us. But in all of this, it's like, I need something that I can only get from him, and that's him. Right? He's, I can only get Jesus from Jesus. I can, I can only get that from him. I can't get, like, I can get the peace and all of that, but it's like him. I want him, and I've said that to him. I'm like, I just... Don't ever take your hand from me. Be with me. Always be with me. No matter what it is, kicking or screaming, whatever happens, don't, I, I want you. I need you. I need you with me in this. I need you with me. Even if he doesn't come through, if he doesn't answer our prayers when we think he should, if he doesn't take us out of the storm, if we go through it anyways, if we get thrown in the furnace anyways, if we get the sickness anyways, if we lose everything anyways, is he still there? Is he still God? Is he still good? I've been waiting for something good. I've been asking God, like, can there just be something good? Can there just be good news? Can there just be something good? And this was this week. I was like, oh, I just want something good. And God's like, I'm your something good. And I was like, oh. Uncle. <laughs> He's like, I'm your something good. He didn't actually yell it at me. He was like, I'm your something good. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Satan's the enemy of our souls. He's never going to stop. He's never going to stop, so don't expect him to. Don't expect things to ease up. Sometimes they might. Sometimes there's, there's good stuff in life. Like there's, there's joy and there's life and there's, there's, there's all of these great things. There's love. There's, there's good stuff. But Satan will never stop trying to rip us away from the one that can actually hold us all together. So I'm smiling. It's like, sometimes I laugh. I'm like, why am I smiling at this? There's been times where this week where I've gotten like bad news and I just bust out laughing. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? It's like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I... it's a fact of life. But when we said yes to Jesus, we were given his overcoming authority. We were given his power. We were given that, that ability to sleep in the boat. We were given that choice. That whole world was opened up to us. And I want to end with this scripture that goes back to Job's encounter with God. Because he brings his case of innocence. And why is this happening to me before God? And God responds with who he is. And this is what Job has to say. It's in Job 42, 1-6. And he says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything. 
and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. And I take back everything I said. And I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. How beautiful. I'd only heard about you before. But now I've seen you with my own eyes. And I take it all back. I take it all back. That's what I want for my life. That's the kind of life I want to live. So close to God. That storms and struggles and hardship and pain just drive me closer to him. He said to me, hold on. One day I just got a coffee and a croissant and I went and I sat down by a fountain that doesn't, isn't on anymore because it's winter time. And I just sat and I stared off into whatever, out into space for like 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, God, help, help me. And I closed my eyes after about 15 minutes and the breeze was blowing and the sun was shining. And he said, hold on. <laughs> That's all he said. Hold on. At the end of this, I want to have that. I mean, I want to have it now. Don't you, church? I've only heard about you before. But now I've seen you with my own eyes. I've seen you with my own eyes. And I take it all back. I take it all back. He's with us, church. He's with you. And I pray, when I was coming to share this, I prayed, my God, just be with your people. I'm walking through this with you. I am not untouched. I'm not up here living the high life, untouched, able to share this. I'm in the thick of it. But I love God so much. And I don't know if I would know him the way that I do without these things happening, I don't know. Would I run to him? Would you run to him? Would we need him? He's with you. He's with us. And I thank God for that. I'm so grateful. Church, just look to him. Whatever you're going through, find him. Ask him where he is because he's there. Say, hey, God, Father, it doesn't feel good, but I know you're good. Show me where you are. I'm going to ask you even right now, Close your eyes, if you would. And take a moment in your spirit. You can, you can say it out loud if you want to. You don't have to. 
but I want you to bring your situation before God right now, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's a job you're waiting on, if it's sickness, whatever it is, whatever it is, bring it before him. And I want you to ask him, Father, where are you? Show me where you are. Show me where you are in this moment. And I'm going to ask too, Father, that you would show your people where you are. In whatever boat they are in, that they would see you, Jesus. That you would show your people where you are. You love us so much. And we're so grateful that you're not rushing us through. You don't expect us to all of a sudden just get over it. You go through the storms of life with us and you are so kind and you are so patient. So reveal yourself, Jesus, in a new way to your people. We just surrender to you, Jesus. We surrender our boat. We surrender our circumstances to you. Thank you that you're not afraid of any storm, that you own it all. Bless your people. Bless everyone in this room within earshot. Bless everyone as they go out this week. I pray that you would speak to them as they sleep and as they wake, that you would remind them, hey, I'm in the boat with you. Hey, I'm in the boat. Pull up a pillow. I'm in the boat. It's all right. I'm in the boat. It's all right. I haven't left. We're going to get to the other side. There is another side. We thank you, God. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.